Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Monday Night at Spirit Rock in this new format, in this new birth online in this time. So, again, delighted that we're all joining each other in this practice, in this moment in time, in this very unusual moment in time. In the middle of multiple pandemics with so many challenges all around um, health, well being, financial strife, economic injustice, social injustice, racial injustice, um, political turmoil, just to name a few. Ah, and and it's like this, being human is like this, in the midst of all this, these practices that we do, the mindfulness practice, compassion cultivation, metta, all these practices, all these basket of practices, they prepare us, they support us. They're not just for easy times or not just for challenging times. They're for every day, all the time. And in this spirit of practicing, doing the practices that are timeless, timeless practices, no matter what the conditions are, to try to wake up, to have more freedom in the midst of the conditions. And that's what one way to think about waking up, Nibbana, Nirvana, not so much as, as being on top of a mountain and ta-da, um, like a Christmas tree shining, but actually having more freedom. So liberation, uh, thinking of that as having more freedom, having more ease, not being triggered, not being pushed around um, by, by what arises, by the various things that arise in life, but actually having a sense of stability to respond out of wisdom, out of kindness. So thinking about freedom, how we can actually have more freedom, you know, not in a way of being separate or distant from life, but as being connected and well-rooted, just as the Buddha, the way he's, he's sitting, for example, in, in the posture of, of um, having a stability, not being... Um, Um, pushed over by the winds of life, by the winds of fate, but having the stability to to respond to whatever is arising uh, with with wisdom, with 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 compassion, with care, um, and not out of reactivity. And of course, it's better said than done, which is why, which is easier said than done, which is why we practice. Why it's called practice. We practice. Um, so speaking of these timeless practices that we engage in, in order to, to wake up, in order to have more freedom, in order to um, be more awake in our lives, to both have more ease, but also to serve others. It's about service. It's about supporting others. If, if we're just trying to get our needs met, it would be a very small, limited life. Um, not, and, and it wouldn't be as, as, as happy or, or joyful or meaningful life as one that is lived in service of others. Of course, having this, uh, there, there is a balance. If you just try to serve others without having a sense of stability and connection to your own values and your own stability, um, of course, that doesn't work either because you get burnt out. Um, so, so speaking of these various practices, the basket of practices that are available, the one that I like to share tonight and speak about tonight is one that um, we don't talk about very frequently. We don't teach very frequently. Um, and this, these teachings are very, very close to my heart. And, and our reflections that um, 
I do every day. Um, and these practices, so you're wondering what practice I'm now talking about. It's like it's the preview. I'm, I'm, I'm leading you to, to get on the edge of your seat and wonder what practice can you, can you guess what practice? So, so these practices, okay, tell you what, we'll play a game. I'll say a little bit more about the practice, about the context before I actually tell you what they are and share them with you. So, so these practices, it's like playing charades. I'm giving some hints. So these practice, this practice, uh, the Buddha, um, recommended these practices, these reflections for everyone, not just for um, monastics, but for lay people just the same. And in fact, in the sutta where he teaches these teachings, he says that for everyone, regardless whether they're a man or a woman or whatever their gender, uh, uh, whatever their gender, whatever their, their state, lay or monastic, these are to be reflected upon um, frequently, or different translations say these are to be reflected upon constantly, not just daily frequently, but constantly to be reflected upon. So if you have guessed the five daily reflections, translated as the five daily contemplations or the five contemplations, um, you have guessed right. So these are the, the five contemplations is what I would like to bring in tonight, uh, today, and, and talk about them. Um, and this, this practice, um, I actually taught a five-day series a couple, of day, a couple of weeks ago and spent each day on one of these reflections, the five reflections. And... Um, so for this talk, I'll just be talking about these five reflections. And before I, um, the, actually let's, uh, I have a slide to put them up, especially to support those of you who are uh, part of the deaf community. And I know we have transcription now, which is wonderful, but just to make it easier on our transcriber uh, and to support everyone, um, Jesse, if you would be so kind to put up the slide uh, with the five daily reflections. Great. So in this slide, as you can see, the five daily contemplations. Just like everyone, I am subject to aging. I have not gone beyond aging. Just like everyone, I am subject to sickness. I have not gone beyond sickness. Just like everyone, I am subject to death. I have not gone beyond death. Number four, just like everyone, I will be separated and parted from all that is dear and beloved to me. Number five, just like everyone, I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions born of my actions, related through my actions, and have my actions as my arbitrator or, or protection, also the alternative translation. Whatever I do for good or bad, of these I shall become the heir. So let's keep this up just for a moment. Um, so these reflections having to do with aging, sickness, death, separation from what is beloved to us, and also the last one really being the owner of our own actions, a, a teaching on karma, whether wholesome or unwholesome. These five reflections, they feel very appropriate at this time, especially, I mean, they're timeless, they're appropriate for any time, um, but especially uh, as I mentioned, I, I taught uh, a five-day series on these a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the feedback that I received from people who showed up that it, they felt really timely, especially at the time of um, a pandemic, a, a time of sickness, a time of uncertainty about death, um, a time of uncertainty about, um, about uh, making a living, um, 
And, and, and the fifth one especially is very appropriate, the fifth reflection, appropriate in this time of, of upheaval um, with, uh, with social injustice in our lives, in, 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 our, in our country, in the U.S., with being the owner of our actions or inactions, being heir to our actions or inactions. Um, so these reflections are just as relevant or especially relevant, I would say, at this time with everything that is going on, both with our personal practice, with what is going, what might be happening internally with our emotions, with our livelihood, with our fear of getting sick, of dying, um, with our care and fear for our loved ones, um, and for our care um, for our brethren, for our siblings in this world, in this country, and, and around the world with, with um, social um, injustice and racial inequity. So, so with that lens, I would like to, to speak about each one. So um, it's okay to take the slide down now. Um, so the, the first, uh, by the way, where these show up, as you saw in the slide, uh, this, this teaching shows up in Anguttara Nikaya 557, AN 557 in that sutta. And the Buddha explained the rationale for this contemplation um, for the first one to weaken or overcome conceit with, with youth, with our youthfulness, this, this intoxication that we might have about, um, about our, our age or youthfulness, um, the energy that we have, the vitality that we have. Um, the, the rationale for the second one is also the overcoming conceit with good health, with being alive. And the fourth one, um, the, the becoming separated from what we, um, what we hold dear is to overcome and weaken um, hanging on to um, and to, to, um, um, to, to let go, to hold things more with more freedom. And I'll speak a lot more about these actually in a moment. Um, and of course, the fifth one, contemplation, has to do with the sense of responsibility, overcoming responsibility that we might have for our actions. So, so these five teachings, actually, first of all, let, I, I'll talk about them collectively. Um, someone a couple weeks ago uh, termed them affectionately, of course. They said they really appreciate the teaching. Uh, and and took them with them to, to work with them to, to work with them on a on a daily basis. But they call them the five bummers, the five bummers. And and in some way they might seem like this is the bad news talk, um, but actually it isn't. So hang in there, hang in here, please. Um, the reason is that by actually doing these contemplations, it's not so much that we get depressed and like, oh yeah, I'm gonna age and I'm gonna die. Uh, you know, these Buddhists, they all talk about you know, suffering. It's actually, there is so much freedom and joy and ease and letting go of fear and tightness that comes with making peace with these reflections. They, they, they free us up because otherwise we'll, we'll be living in the sense of, in this fear of what could potentially happen. But we actually, when we bring it in every day, when we bring it in every day and reflect on it, it's almost like chipping away, chipping away little by little by little. We chip away on these fears, on these, um, uh, and, and the sense of dread that we have about these, uh, these realities of life. Because yes, of course we age. Anybody not age? If, if you're not aging, please send me an email afterwards. Of course we all age. It's part of being human. Uh, age, of course we all get sick. 
it, you have a body, you will get sick. And of course, we're all going to die. Um, none of us are going to be alive in a hundred years from now, um, no matter what Silicon Valley is, is, is trying to promise or look into. It's just part of being a human, part and parcel of being a human being. So actually by, by um, making uh, peace, by making peace with these teachings, we can live more fully. We can live with more freedom. They don't scare us anymore. Yep, of course. Yep. Aging. Yep. Sickness. Um, so there is a lot of freedom in, in accepting every single five of these, which is why they're recommended to be um, reflected on constantly, every day, frequently. So, so I wanted to, to um, talk a little about acceptance, what acceptance is and what it isn't. So, Jesse, if you would kindly put up the slide about acceptance. And great. So, so with this slide, um, I saw this recently um, on LinkedIn, of all places, someone had posted it. And I will describe the slide um, so that in the future, when people are listening to this on Dharma Seed, uh, they will not wonder what was on that slide. So the slide says on top of it, it says, what is acceptance? And on the left, there is a, uh, an, an image of a cloud with rain. And on the right is the same image of a cloud with rain. And on the left, uh, there is an X. This is not what acceptance is not. And, and the caption says, it's raining. I don't like rain. I wish, I wish it wasn't raining. My day would be better if it wasn't raining. My day is ruined. Every day is like this. It's always like this. Why does it always rain when all I want is for it to be sunny? Okay, similarly, let's take the first reflection with aging. I don't like aging. I wish I wasn't aging. My life, my day would be better if I wasn't aging. My, my life is ruined. My body is ruined. Oh, my back hurts. It's always like this. Why do I have to age? It's my back is hurting, my knees are hurting, my, my um, uh, skin is sagging on my face. Okay. On the right side, the diagram, all, there is a check mark. This is what acceptance is. There's the same image of the same cloud. And under it, it also says it is, it's raining. And then under it, instead of all this dialogue and this conflict, well, I wish it wasn't this way and I want something else and... Uh, why is it, why me? Why this? Why? It just says, yup, it's raining. Yup, it's raining. Yup, it's raining. So I love the simplicity of this, uh, really demonstrating um, when something happens and, and we think, oh, why is this happening? I don't like it. Uh, we keep fighting with reality as if we're going to win if we fight with reality the way it is, especially with these reflections. These, these are the, the laws, the laws of, of, um, of being human, of, of, be, of having a body, this mis mystery of being human. It's like this. It's raining. Being human is like this. And to accept it on the right-hand side, yep, it's raining. So thank you. You can take down the slide now. So I want to also highlight that, that there is a difference um, between, there is a difference between um, acceptance and um, resignation. So acceptance is not resignation. Resignation is when um, you over accept. It's almost like acceptance gone a little too far. So the idea is you feel like, oh yeah, it's, it's like this. There's nothing to be done about it. Oh, you know, poor me. Um, or there's a sense of, 
um, non-engagement. I think that's the best way to put it. Whereas the idea with actually um, accepting is yes, there's a sense of this, this is how things are. And still there is engagement. There's engagement. For example, if you are sick, you, you don't think, oh, well, sickness is, yep, it's just part of life and that's it. You, yes, you accept that sickness is part of life, but you try to support yourself, get better, support your loved ones. So, so I just want to highlight the difference between resignation and acceptance. They're definitely not the same. So, um, with, with all of these reflections, um, they're uh, speaking of the, uh, the first one specifically, the reflection on, um, on aging, um, we often have a, um, a very challenging um, relationship with our bodies, um, especially in this culture. There is an intoxication with youth and we feel like we are not supposed to, to age at all. Um, and when we, see, when we see lines on our face or when we have aches in our bodies, there's a sense of conflict. There's a sense of um, um, not, lack of acceptance, just as, as I brought up. So, so the, the um, thing also to remember is that um, these reflections are really a, a way for us to make peace and contemplate uh, impermanence. Everything is impermanent. Of course, everything is impermanent. And by making peace, by contemplating, by, as I was saying, chipping on this little by little every day, the impermanence of youth, of course, it's not going to last. It's one way for our mind to open up to, to holding with more peace and space um, this relationship and, and or impermanence, by the way, anicca, A-N-I-C-C-A in Pali, anicca, impermanence, is one of the doorways into liberation, is one of the doorways to more freedom. So when you actually contemplate that things are not permanent, they come and they go something and when you accept that something lets go something opens up so for example if if i was holding my youth as if i were holding this this uh striker oh i i want the striker i want i don't want the striker uh, to go away oh my youth i uh, don't want to age whereas well the striker is actually quite helpful supportive so i can hold it with a lot of lightness i can hold it but know that, yes, might be here, may not be there. And, and this, this holding with an open hand inst instead of a fist can actually have a lot of ease. I feel a lot easier holding it like this instead of clinging to it and not accepting that it, it may not be here. It's, it's impermanent. It's a piece of wood. So, so with respect to the first one and first two especially, um, it's a deep way of letting go and waking up and having more ease with relationship to our bodies. To have a wiser perspective, a wiser way of relating to our bodies, ourselves, as, as well as others. So these, all of these reflections are both supposed to be internal as well as external. The same way that the, um, uh, teaching in the Satipatthana Sutta, in the Satipatthana Sutta, in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness Sutta, uh, all the contemplations that are taught are both internal and external, which is why, as you noted in the slides, I've added, just like everyone, it's not just me, but just like everyone, I'm subject to aging. This body is subject to 
to aging. <clears throat> so what, what something else that can come up from this reflection about aging specifically is we realize that our vitality is a precious resource is a precious reason how much however much vitality we have now how whatever age you are in this moment um, through aging it is going to go down so how do we want to use our energy our vitality our time it's short so it can wake us up to the preciousness of time and it can bring up what is called samvega Samvega is spiritual agency. The word in Pali is S-A-M-V-E-G-A, spiritual urgency, which is this beautiful concept that we feel this urgency to wake up, to, to be of benefit, to be of service, to wake up both for the benefit of ourselves and everyone else. How are we using our time? How are we using our vitality, our youth, whatever level of youth we have? Um, and, and also a sense of gratitude can arise, a gratitude for whatever is available right now, um, for whatever level of vitality is available, to not take it for granted. There is so much we take for granted. Um, here in the Bay Area, with all the fires that have been going on, um, I've become so aware of how much um, I was taking clean air for granted. I would go out for walks, for hikes, and having been at home with the windows closed, um, not being able to go out and breathe the air as the breath, breath, air is harmful, the sense of gratitude for what was being taken for granted. So similarly, this these reflections, this reflection reminds us, reminds me that my vitality, my energy is limited. It is going to go down just like everyone else to have a sense of gratitude about it. And also a sense of compassion for the human condition arises. All of us, we're all aging. None of us are immune from, from aging, from old age. Um, none of us. So bringing to mind, if, if we have the privilege to spend time with people who are older than us and, and holding uh, space, presence with care, with compassion, and, and allowing this contemplation to, to really feel uh, alive for us, that this, this sense of this, this youth, whatever level of youthfulness that we have, um, is is impermanent it will go my mom passed away two and a half years ago and towards the end he had she had come become quite frail um, and and had lost a lot of physical abilities and physical functioning that she had before um, just like her, just like everyone else, I am subject to aging. I am not immune from it. I have not gone beyond it. It is inevitable. If we're lucky, we get to age. So the reflections I meant, the, the points I raised about impermanence, about relationship to our bodies, um, about intoxication with our health, having a wise perspective and shortness of time, gratitude, internal, external, compassion for human condition. They, these are all relevant for all of these reflections. Um, sickness being the second one, just like everyone, I am of the nature to sicken. I have not gone beyond sickness making friends with impermanence. So with sickness specifically, area of acceptance or lack of acceptance, um, a lot of times what comes up is working with ruminations. Um, this, this second one, especially this area of sickness, 
it can hit us pretty hard. Aging happens gradually. It happens very gradually. And, but sickness can happen very suddenly. Very suddenly you, you um, wake up and you're not feeling well. Um, or you have the dread of, of not feeling well for yourself or for others. And a lot of ruminations, a lot of narratives can come up with this with this one in particular so the the narratives can be um my body's letting me down feeling betrayed by your body this is a common one um another one is why me why am i the one who got this disease well why not me it's it's actually amazing that as complex as our body is, everything works. Everything works as well as it does. This complex organism that is our human body, it is a miracle that things, the biology, the cells, the neurons, the all of the intricate mechanisms, it is a mystery. It's, it's amazing that things work as well as they do. So when something doesn't, um, it's not so much why me, is why not me, why not now? Of course, it's amazing that things worked as well as they did up to now. So gratitude, not taking it for granted, hence these five daily, five constant contemplation to remind us of these. Um, another narrative that can come up is what did I do wrong? It's my fault. If only I hadn't done this or done this or la 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 la. Okay, now we're adding uh, insult to injury. Now we're engaging in what's called the teaching of the second arrow. Okay, we already have one arrow. We've got sick. Now we're adding the second and third and fourth and fifth arrow. It's my fault. I'm terrible. We're making ourselves feel small. A lot of shame. Um, I got sick. Okay causes and conditions if it could have been happened differently given all the wisdom that i had those are the actions that i took if if i could have done differently i would have there's so many causes and conditions it's just not one decision that you make there's so many causes and conditions that come together to make something happen uh, and hindsight is always 2020 as if you have full control, but there's so many causes and conditions set in time and place, above and beyond the time and place where you are, that that give birth to to um, to what arises. Similar narrative is it's other person's fault if they hadn't done this. Blah 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 blah. blah. So feeling a lot of ill will for for them. They, too, have done their best. If they could have done better, given all the causes and conditions in their past and, and upbringing, then, um, then they wouldn't have, uh, they, they, they would have done differently. I'm getting a note that uh, my image is freezing, and it seems you know, my computer has decided that right now is the best time for it to do a, uh, a major indexing of all the files, which is very unfortunate. I have no control over it because um, as long as you can hear me fine, let's accept that these are the conditions right now. In fact, actually, this is perfect. Uh, let's accept that these are the conditions. I have no control over it right now. Um, so it is what it is, acceptance, it's raining. I wish, I wish my computer wasn't freezing. I wish blah, 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 blah. The algorithm was different. Whereas it's freezing, image is freezing. Okay, yep, it's like this. Okay, we can still hear her. So let's let's continue. So um, with the um, another typical uh, reaction in the mind, and and by the way, you can see which ones you identify with, and and many of them that maybe you have original ones, which um, I don't have on the list. So. Um, so please take this on as a reflection, a live reflection for yourself right now. So another uh, version of the second arrows uh, that we apply with sickness is catastrophizing. Oh, this fear, this will never get better, and this is terrible and awful, and spending a lot of time in catastrophizing. Instead of 
accepting and engaging with it from the place of, of wisdom. This body is nature. This body is nature and nature is fragile as we very well know from our planet. This body is nature. We haven't, you know, we've been dropped into, dropped in quotes. We have been dropped into this body. We found ourselves in this miraculous body that, that ages and gets sick and then it heals itself in the proper conditions. Um, and it's nature. It's complete. It's nature. The same way that a tree is part of nature. This body is nature and it is fragile and take and making more peace with, with the truth. So a wise perspective could be making peace with all this and to also contemplate how to enjoy the blessing of our good health when we have it, how not to squander it, um, how to live according to our values, and also how to live according to our values when we get sick, when our loved ones get sick. Um, can we still live according to our values with freedom if and when we get sick, others get sick? of panicking, etc., etc. So these teachings, again, to these reflections are preparation both for when we are healthy uh, to live fully and, and a preparation for when we are sick to also have, live fully with value, according to values. And to the contemplation internally, externally, let our hearts be open to common humanity. This could be me. This is me. Call a friend who's ill tonight or tomorrow. Tonight might be late by the end of this, but call a friend who's ill tomorrow. Check in. This could be me. This is me. I'm not the only one. So moving to the third contemplation. So the third contemplation, if you recall, has to do with death. Um, so old age, sickness, and death is the third one. And if you notice, by the way, these first three contemplation are parallel to the messengers, to the, um, to the four messengers. Um, so the story of the messengers is that the four heavenly messengers, often they're called. So, so the story is that when the Buddha was a prince living in the castle and he left the grounds he skirted out came out and he saw an old person an aged person and um he was aghast he was shocked he had never seen one um, his father had protected him from ever seeing anyone who um, was old aged so goes the story um and then he and then he saw someone who was who was sick um and then the third messenger he saw someone who was uh, who had died he saw a corpse so seeing the first three seeing the person who was aged he realized oh I am subject to that. Before that, he hadn't realized that at all. It hadn't clicked for him. So he realized he too was subject to becoming old. When he saw the person who was sick, it clicked for him that he too is subject, uh, subjected to illness. This body is subjected to becoming ill and seeing the corpse, he, he too was going to die. So he was shocked, um, surprised, and in 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 perhaps we can say existential terror. And then he sees the fourth messenger, um, which is known to be the, a monk who's walking around with a sense of serenity and peace. And he puts it together that, ah, the way that I can actually, uh, the, the question that came up for him was, how can I possibly live this life how can I possibly live knowing that I can, I'll, I can, I will become old and sick and die? 
how can I possibly make peace with that? And seeing that that another person had made peace with it was inspiring to him, was so inspiring to him that he left his palace and his, his life and became um, a monk, a mendicant monk. So the same inspiration that we too can make peace with these um, realities of life instead of living in horror, being afraid of becoming sick, our loved ones becoming sick, we can make peace with them so that we can engage so that we can engage with wisdom, not engage out of fear, not engage out of um, all of these relationships that I mentioned, all these stories, um, not, not out of reactivity, but from a place of having more ease engaged to live and die more freely. It's a part of life anyway. None of us get out of here alive. So the third reflection um, I am subject to death. Um, we often, well, we all know we are going to die, but we don't grok that we're going to die. And this is nicely captured in a story um, in the Hindu epic uh, Mahabharata, where the wise person Yudhisthira is asked, what is the most amazing thing in all of life and he says that a human seeing others die all around them never thinks they will die so consider that we know up here we know in our head that we're going to die but we don't live as if we're going to die we we don't really know it in our heart we don't live it as if we were going to die. We live as if we're going to live forever. We squander our time. Um, there, there are research studies um, suggesting that we don't, we don't spend our time according to our intentions. If, if I asked you, okay, it, well, actually, I'll, I'll report one study, one such study they asked. Uh, this actually study was done by Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner, uh, psychologist, economist. Um, and they asked a group of women uh, what, uh, out of the, the activities that they chose, what, the, what um, gave them more um, happiness. Um, um, and they ranked um, meditation, prayer, religious activities uh, higher than spending time watching television. But then they actually filled out the, the survey and, 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 and um, took, keep, kept track of their time. Turns out they spent five times as much uh, watching television than any of the activities uh, that gave them more meaning, more value, made them happier. Um, so there are many other studies similar to this, but the point being that uh, we live as if we're going to live forever, um, squander our time, squander our youth. And um, this reflection, especially this third one, uh, brings, brings the sense of mortality uh, into our consciousness and teaching about mindfulness of death is actually um, one of my favorite topics to teach, I teach daylongs on mindfulness of death. And uh, in fact, you can find a lot of talks on dharmaseed.org as well as audiodharma.org. Uh, in fact, if you're interested in that five-day series I mentioned earlier about the five contemplations, uh, and there's a meditation, 30-minute meditation for each one and a 15-minute uh, reflection, that's also on audiodharma.org. You can just do a search for five reflections, five daily reflections. Um, so, so this um, mindfulness of death is such a rich practice that can talk hours. And in fact, I've also taught uh, seven-day silent meditation retreats on this topic. Uh, very, very powerful, transformative for us to live more uh, fully 
um, knowing that this life is not permanent and also when the time to die comes to have more freedom both in our own death um, and supporting others, loved ones, um, and holding their hands. So, so one thing that, that comes up with this mindfulness of death, um, one natural thing that arises actually, person who captured uh, this terror management theory very well, there's a wonderful quote, and Jesse, if you would kindly uh, put up the um, uh, slide that says Ernest Becker. Thank you. Um, so Ernest Becker, um, who was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction in 1974 for uh, his book called The Denial of Death, um, he puts it really well. Here's the quote, I will read it out loud, and I've adapted the pronouns for gender neutrality with all due respect to Ernest Becker um, so that it feels, the quote feels more inclusive. Um, this is the paradox. A human is out of nature and hopelessly in it. We are dual, up in the stars, and yet housed in a heart-pumping, breath-gasping body that once belonged to a fish and still carries the gill marks to prove it. A human is literally split in two. We have an awareness of our own splendid uniqueness in that we stick out of nature with a towering majesty, and yet we go back into the ground a few feet in order to blindly and dumbly rot and disappear forever. It's a terrifying dilemma to be in and to have to live with. The lower animals are, of course, spared this painful contradiction as they lack a symbolic identity and the self-consciousness that goes with it. They merely act and move reflexively as they are driven by their instincts. So Ernest Becker really nails it. It's the sense of we are literally split in two. We have an awareness of our own splendid uniqueness. We stick out of nature with a towering majesty. And yet we know we have this consciousness, self-consciousness, that the animals are spared, um, that we know we are going to die. We are going to blindly and dumbly rot and disappear forever. So, so this is the dilemma, uh, hence these practices. Uh, especially this fourth reflection. And his book, uh, The Denial of Death, it actually started a whole field of research in psychology. And, um, and this field of research is called terror management theory. Yes, you heard that right. Terror management theory. And um, Jesse, if you would kindly put up the next slide on terror management theory or TMT. So the idea is that a basic psychological conflict arises from having a self-preservation instinct and while realizing that death is inevitable and to some extent unpredictable. So, so these two um, realizations that Ernest Becker raised, this consciousness, knowing, um, knowing that you're going to die. Death is not just inevitable, but it's unpredictable, completely unpredictable. And also having a self-preservation instinct, wanting to live. It's the, it's what's been coined as, as the selfish gene. So a sense of conflict arises from these, from these two. And this conflict psychologically produces terror for everyone. And how this terror is managed is by embracing cultural beliefs or symbolic systems that act to counter this biological reality with more durable forms of meaning and value. And there's a lot more to say about this. And again, if you're curious, there are 
many talks on this, both on dharmaseed.org and audiodharma.org on mindfulness of death. So just to say that um, there are many practices in this one, this five daily contemplations, contemplating that, yes, we are going to die and chipping away little by little by little working with this terror can actually free up a lot of energy, can free up a lot of energy that goes towards managing this terror, this managing the sense of terror. So um, can take down the slide. Thank you, Jesse. So the fourth reflection, moving on to the fourth reflection, this actually tends to be sometimes um, perhaps even the harder one for people as they're going through the reflection. And the fourth reflection being that um, just like everyone, I will be separated and parted from all that is dear and beloved to me. So the sense that we will be parted, separated for everything that we love and hold dear. And again, this is the truth of life. It can't be otherwise. Um, and not only can that happen through, through death, but also this reality has been driven home even in different ways. Say more recently with the fires, people who have lost not just their home, um, all their belongings um, in the fires in California. Um, similarly with the Gulf Coast and the hurricanes. So it's, um, and the natural disasters and, all, and also with the economic uncertainty that is part of our world right now, um, especially in the US. So, and again, uh, in terms of the various injustices, I think number five is a better reflection um, for how we can actually take action. But number four, um, to, to, to see if, if it is possible to have more freedom, to not be as attached, to bring up a sense of letting go. So the, the intention for the fourth reflection is to encourage, to overcome, um, as the Buddha says, um, as he, when he was asked, um, to, to overcome the, um, um, uh, what's it called, the, um, uh, the Mada, I'm forgetting the translation of the, the Pali word now, um, uh, of the, um, uh, to weaken and overcome that, oh, that's it, to overcome actually raga for this one, uh, which is lust, which is a sense of connecting, of, of, of uh, clinging. So to overcome that, again, chipping little by little by little, because we are travelers. We are all travelers in this world. And um, we don't take anything with us. We are using everything for a limited period of time. I love this shawl, it's nice, I like the color, but I'm just using it, I'm just borrowing it, really. I, it's, it's for a limited amount of time. There's actually a wonderful song by the artist Dido, D-I-D-O, and the name of the song is uh, Life for Rent, and the chorus line of that, the repeating lines, if my life is for rent, nothing I have is truly mine. If my life is for rent, nothing I have is truly mine. And all of our lives are for rent. Nothing we have is truly our, ours, and, and we are going to be separated from everything. So to make peace with this chip, chip away at it little by little every day with this contemplation um, so that we live with more freedom and not possessed by, by our stuff and, and also people whom we um, love again, again, loving, caring for, um, 
and holding, holding with, with open hand, offering them their own autonomy. We all have our own autonomy in this life, this mystery that is being human. So moving to the last reflection, I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, born of my actions, related through my actions, and have my actions as my arbitrator or protector. Whatever I do for good or bad, of these I shall become the heir. Wow. Quite profound. So what is profound about this last one, the last of fifth reflection, um, has to do with the teaching on karma and something to keep in mind about karma. Um, in the West, many people use the term karma. They throw it around really willy-nilly. Oh, I had a bad day. Um, I lost my job. It must be my karma not a very helpful way in fact not a helpful way at all to consider or or, or um, really relate to this teaching of, of of karma so think of karma as as intention and connected to action so the best way to relate to this teaching is not from the past from this um, magical mysterious past life which we don't know about and goodness knows you know without getting magical having any magical thinking about it the best way to relate to it is is as karma as empowerment the seeds of the seeds that are planted in this moment the the seeds of wholesome action and by the way action here is actions of mind, speech, and body. So your thoughts are actions of the mind. Your, your speech is actions of speech, and of course, physical actions, which we often think of actions in the world. But to relate to this teaching of karma as what your intentional actions, actions of the mind, thoughts included, what you do intentionally these actions they plant seeds they plant seeds for future outcome for yourself and for others so and if you think about this in terms of neuroscience of course it makes sense when you do something when you think something over and over again when you when you think even if you think it once it pre uh, especially, let's just say, not once, not, not to scare us, but, but when there's a pattern of thinking or action or speech, that becomes the pattern. Then next time you open your mouth, that's the kind of thing that comes out. If you have a pattern of becoming reactive, if you have a pattern of ah, taking things personally or, or be, being mean or, or, or whatever it is, that has become your karma. That has become what you, the, the, the seeds that you have planted. So that becomes who you are. It becomes your personality. It becomes your perspective in life. It becomes your reality. So we, um, we create, we both create our own uh, future, our own actions in this way, and we create our own reality in this way. So, so this teaching of karma, this, this last one, especially this reflection, of karma is a really powerful uh, one. And, and if you consider the last four to be bummers, the last one actually is not a bummer at all because um, you could be planting wholesome seeds. If you plant wholesome seeds, great, you are heir to your own wholesome actions. If you plant the seeds of unwholesome actions, ah, you're, you are heir to uh, to unwholesome actions and the the what i want to point out is is the level of um complexity sophistication so so in the sutta and the teaching uh, uh, of the buddha he he says i am the owner of my actions you're the owner of them you own them you're heir to your I'm heir to my actions. Um, actually, Jesse, if it's possible, let's put the slide back up so that 
visually can support people to see um, to see the five the, to see the fifth one again. Thank you. So I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, heir. So um, what I have planted, I I get them at the other end. I'm born of my actions. So this is very interesting in different language. I'm born out of my actions. Actions give birth to me. Isn't that, that is so profound. So the action, my actions of thought, my speech, and actions in the world, they, they, they give birth to me. I'm their child. I, I take birth. I become what my previous actions have been. And again, not previous life, but what I'm doing here. I, I become born of them down the line. And next one, I'm related to my actions. Also translated as um, my actions are my kin, are my relations. So, so this one way to interpret is that my actions also determine how I relate in the world to others. They're, they're, they, they act as my kin, as my relationship in the world. And the next phrase, I have my actions as my arbitrator. Ah, so the action, as you think, if you think of an arbitrator, they, they decide good or bad, they're, they're the arbitrator. Also, this has been translated by others as my protection. So if I have done well, my actions are my protection. So I can protect myself. Uh, as much as there's protection in this in this life. So so this it's a deep, deep teaching, this teaching on Kama. And again, there are more talks available on this topic on Audio Dharma and Dharma Seed. And a great book on this one is by Ajahn Suchito. It's called The End of uh, Kama, K-A-M-M-A. And Ajahn Suchito is, is uh, spelled, I believe, S-U-C-C-I-T-O. So, so, and the last line of this teaching is, whatever I do, for good or bad, of these I shall become the heir. So, whatever I do, for good or bad, of these I shall become the heir. So, if our... If we engage, if we plant wholesome seeds, that become, we, we are born of the wholesome seeds. If we plant unwholesome seeds, that is who we become. That's how we perceive the world. That, that is, we become heir to those conditions. So, also considering that in the world, our inactions are also some kind of action. So, as we are living this life, this precious, um, yes, uh, you can take a slide down now, thank you. So as we're living this precious human birth, this limited human birth, this impermanent human birth, what are the seeds we're planting? How do we want to show up? How do we want to show up for ourselves? How do we want to show up for others? How do we want to show up for humanity? for people who may not have a voice, for people who are oppressed, either economically, racially, etc. What kind of seeds are we planting, both in our lives or ourselves, showing up and serving others or not serving? So this, these are the reflections that can be alive with us. So. I would like to invite you to take the five daily reflections, contemplations, the five constant, which, which we're supposed to frequently reflect upon them, to 
let them be close to your heart. Maybe put them on a little piece of paper, put them on your bathroom mirror or the fridge door or on a post-it note on your uh, computer to see them, to keep them close to your heart. Or maybe take one a week or one a day until you have them and, and see which one resonates for you and really work with them. And and keep asking yourself, because they're all related, all five are related, and asking yourself, what this action, this thought, this deed, this way I'm spending my time, what am I planting? What seed am I planting? Is this a wholesome seed? How am I serving um, the world? How am I showing up? So continue to, to ask, again, not in a way of, becoming judgmental and becoming harsh with yourself um, and really demanding. And, and, and please remember that wisdom and compassion start with yourself. You need to take care of yourself first. You need to take care of yourself um, to be kind to this being so that you can have the stability. As I was starting at the beginning, saying at the beginning, just as the Buddha is sitting and is sitting with a sense of stability, groundedness, you need to have a sense of stability and groundedness in order to support and serve others. Um, so let these reflections be close in the, to, to support you become more stable and, and serve um, others as well. And um, I'd like to, to bring in one more quote from the Buddha, which is a beautiful one. And he says, the days and nights are relentlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? The days and nights are relentlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? So knowing that our lives are impermanent, we are travelers, our lives are for rent, we come and we go. There's nothing that we take with us. How are we showing up? How are we, what is, how are we singing our song in the world? The, the unique song that only we can sing and offer to the world for the benefit of our own waking up and the benefit of all beings. So I'd like to thank you for your kind attention, for showing up for the practice tonight and staying for the talk. And may our practice together, may our collective practice together this evening be of support, be a cause and condition for the waking up of all beings everywhere, which includes ourselves. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free. Thank you very much. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.